0: Ladies and gentlemen, uh, welcome to another one-off podcast. This is your host, Adam Danger. Uh, today, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, a subject that's near and dear to my heart, Star Wars. And uh, and in speaking about Star Wars, I couldn't bring on anyone more of an aficionado or someone whose opinion that I trust and revere than my dear old dad, Russell G. Russell, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing well. Thank you for having me on, Adam Danger. I wonder if, because you're Adam Danger, I should be Russell Hazard. I don't know, I should have thought that through. Anyway, thank you for having me on here.
0: Uh, Fans, if you know
1: anything about me, now you see
0: where the the humor comes from, what those (laughs) great uh, quick wit uh, stems from. Uh, That might be the one and only time I ever refer to you as Russell, (laughs) so uh, at least we have it on, on audio, but uh yeah yeah dad uh talking a little bit about star wars kind of wanted to you know get your opinions talk a little bit about it uh why don't you why don't you let the fans know here you know what are your initial thoughts on star wars what do you you know how did you first watch it what did you really enjoy about it
1: well i'm actually one of those few people who was around before star wars and what was interesting about my encounter with uh the movies is that i was a movie usher back in 1976 uh, back when the first uh movie came out now uh i was working at a, a six screen movie theater Unfortunately, we did not have Star Wars. We got the <laughs> second. Oh no, we got the second biggest movie of that year, which was Smokey and the Bandit, which nice. I saw several, several times. However, <laughs> um, I remember uh, the first time I encountered Star Wars, I was actually reading um, a movie trade publication uh this was going out to all the theater managers uh theater owners and it was talking about movies to look for and the theater manager had given me a copy because he knew i like to read about uh things like that about new movies and what they expected from to be at the box office and and what to prepare for and it talked about uh hot movies coming in uh for that summer And one of them said there's this new movie called Star Wars and that it was kind of like a space western. And they had uh, good word of mouth. And they thought, well, this could be something that'll uh, play at your movie theaters for a while. It it may be a big movie. So that's the first time I heard anything about the movie. And I thought, Star Wars, what's what's all this about? And uh, this was probably... uh, early in the year. Uh, and then of course the movie the movie came out and was just uh, took off like gangbusters. Um, it was uh, a couple of uh, weeks before I could go see it. we actually uh, uh, went to one of our uh, sister theaters on the south side. It was called Century South and they must have played Star Wars for almost a year. Uh, that's back when they would do that they would take a movie and then they would just let it run 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 and I remember seeing it and just being blown away uh, from from the start I mean I remember reading the little uh, text that was on the screen that was going off into infinity and then all of a sudden seeing this huge I guess starship battleship that just kept going and going and going. And it's just this amazing shot. And, uh, and I was hooked right at the beginning. And then I just followed the story and, uh, it had uh, identify, identifiable characters, you know, who are good, who are bad, uh, who are the rascals. And it all had a real nice, tidy ending, and I thought, well, this is a great movie. It kind of reminded me of some of the serial movies uh, I used to watch when I was a kid. You know, things akin to like Tarzan or some other things that would come on on Saturday mornings. Um, and it had that kind of feel, you know, like a like a western or, uh, or a little science fiction uh, movie. And so I think it. I think that's why it. Uh, In the beginning that it may have hit a chord because it it felt very familiar even though the story was new a lot of the um i guess symbols or a lot of the action felt uh very um it it felt very uh not not so much refreshing but it felt like oh yeah i understand this is i get it i get it yeah good guys bad guys uh aliens shooting uh stormtroopers you know, uh, it was easy to, it was easy to figure out. And so, uh, I think I may have seen it once or twice in the movies and, uh, I, I thought this, this could be something big. And of course it was.
0: Right. I mean, that uh, well, part of the story that kind of made me chuckle here was just the, uh, the fact that you had to read about star Wars <laughs> and almost a trade publication this is way before internet and even before maybe even being on TV or anything like that. Right. It's it's hard to imagine now that, uh, you know, there was a time before, uh, obviously there was a time before the internet, but that's how you got information. You got news and that this was something that uh, I guess in my life, there's always been a star Wars. It's always been there. And so to kind of hear like, Hey, this is brand new and kind of seeing it with fresh eyes. And I think it's also part of the enduring popularity of star Wars is that it did have, familiar themes whether it was you know uh good guys bad guys a western but part samurai film uh it didn't exactly it didn't have to kind of teach you a new language in order to understand it and to appreciate it right it just drew on on um, themes that were have been you know for the past 100 years uh so to speak so that's always interesting to to talk about and to see i guess i talk about you know, growing up watching Star Wars, this is just something, like I said before, that had always been around. And I, I remember one of my earliest memories as a kid. I think you turn on to go, hey, son, it's Star Wars. And all I remember was a desert scene and two people walking in the desert. So I guess what I just remember is R2-D2 and C-3PO um, there in, in, in Tatooine, I suppose, on the way to meet uh, Luke Skywalker. I remember, you know, you had showed it to us. I don't know how old I was. And just, it was kind of weird. It wasn't what I was used to watching as a kid. Uh, And it was, you know, it was an action-packed right at the beginning. Uh, I guess I don't remember, you know, Darth Vader and Princess Leia. Who knows? It may have just been on TV and it just got to that one part. So I remember thinking, well, this is kind of slow. This is what Star Wars is? They're just walking around in the desert? (laughs) Um, And so, you know... I would say in 98, that's when George Lucas had to re-release and it was put out in the theaters. Uh, so I remember that was kind of a big deal for us is going to go see A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back and uh, Return of the Jedi in the theaters. And I think that's where I first kind of got my real introduction into what Star Wars was and all the different characters. And I mean, again, this is 1998, but it still looked just as amazing on the big screen and the special effects still held up. And uh you know, and that time, you would have seen movies like Terminator 2 or Jurassic Park. And I would still say for my money, you'd see those uh, the original movies in the theater. It still held up, which is which is, I think, a testament to how forward thinking the special effects were uh, in the original Star Wars movie.
1: You know, you bring up a good uh, topic about the special effects. Uh, let me let me go back to 1976, if I, yeah. if I may. Um Science fiction until 1976 was really kind of a second-class citizen in the movies, whereas not much money was really spent on science fiction. Uh, Of course, you'll have 2001 in Space Odyssey, which uh, was big bucks and looked beautiful on the screen, still does. But for the most part, most science fiction movies were B-movies, and they didn't have much of a... A budget, and so when you looked at them, you'd see guys running around in, in uh rubber masks or uh, rubber costumes, and the sets always looked flimsy, uh, and uh, the design always looked uh, very mundane. It, it never looked like uh, something that would take your your breath away. Uh, science fiction was really a guilty pleasure, and I think uh a lot of uh filmmakers had to have a good story to overcome uh the really really bad shoddy design and special effects of the time um i I guess the closest example i can give you is if anyone watches uh star trek uh, the original series uh you can just look at that and you can just see how some of the effects are are really pretty pretty lame and they're actually lame back then but they had good stories. And so we overlooked it. So when I read that there was going to be this new movie in the trade magazine called star Wars, and it was going to take place across the galaxy, and it's going to have good guys and bad guys and, and ships and all that stuff. I didn't get my hopes up. I thought, well, you know, it, it's going to be another example of someone who's going to um, try to make a really, you know, nice, uh, interesting, modest, Science fiction film, but I'm sure that it's, uh, you know, it, the special effects are going to be pretty, you know, pretty mundane. They're not going to be anything to write home about. And of course, fortunately, I was very wrong. I'm um, one of the few times I was glad I was wrong because, again, I'll, I'll go back to, you know, the first opening scene where we see this huge battleship that's going across the, the screen and it's just huge and it has this heft and it just looks like they spent money on it. And then later on we see uh, other uh, parts of the movie where they have uh, of course the droids which looked nice, they looked real, uh, <laughs> they didn't look like people in uh, rubber suits. Um, although I guess the cantina scene you did have guys in rubber suits but that's another uh, you know, that's okay. It I could, It can't be Um, for the most part, the thing uh, that got me is the set design. I mean, all the different types of, uh, ships, uh, even the Jawas, when they had that huge ship that they would go and, and, uh, you know, take, uh, space junk and it was huge. And that's when I said, my gosh, they put thought in this. This is not an Erwin Allen production where it's just, uh, you know, they're, they're making it for the kiddies and, you know, they're not going to work too hard. This is actually a movie where they put a lot of thought into it and not only into the story, not only into the acting, but also into the special effects and even the, the look of the film. They wanted it to look like something that, uh, look first class. I mean, um, uh, one of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite shots in the movie is actually, a, uh, uh, is actually an interesting shot. It's a shot of Luke Skywalker, and he's outside his uh, home planet. I think he's getting ready to leave his aunt and uncle. And he's looking off into the distance in the sunset, and you see two sunsets. And it's kind of like a throwaway scene. But to me, I'm thinking, my God, you know, they, they went to this much trouble to show a planet that has two suns. And it looks seamless and it doesn't really advance the plot, but they just did so because they wanted to show that you are on an alien world and it looked very real. And I think that really caught my attention uh, as as a viewer that that, no, this show, they, they this movie rather is something that they really wanted to make uh, look different than anything before. You know, this was going to be something that people are going to come back and look and find things.
0: Right, and I think I think something. I've actually recently just rewatched uh, Star Wars: A New Hope, and I'm sure you get back in '77. It was just called Star Wars, uh, and one of the things I was really enjoying about the movie is I it it didn't invent it, but I think it kind of uh, really perfected the story of a ragtag group of people up against insurmountable odds, and you know uh, somehow beating all the odds and trusting in themselves. They overcome this, uh, you know, this imperial force that just seemed invincible. And I'm watching the movie and I'm just enjoying the uh, banter and the wit between uh, Princess Leia and Han Solo and Han Solo and Obi-Wan Kenobi and Luke Skywalker uh, trying to kind of play Peacemaker in between. And I think the movies that we watch now, the big Marvel movies, really understand that dynamic is that you have to have different characters that, uh, they're interesting enough, but that they have to interact with one another. And that is the real magic. I want to hang out and see more space adventures with princess Leia and Han solo and Luke Skywalker. Uh, I think some of the movies, the sequels start to kind of fall apart when you start, when you start separating these characters from each other, they're doing their own side missions. You know, I was watching. uh, even thinking about Empire Strikes Back. I think Empire slows down a little bit when Luke has to go and visit Yoda and learn to become a Jedi, and you leave Han and Princess Leia and Chewie on their own mission. While it's still fun, you're missing that core element of of just a ragtag group of people uh, that have to accomplish a goal. And so I think that's what makes the first movie so special, and I think still enjoyable to this day with the special effects, Uh, is that you want to hang out with these people and and you want to go on an adventure with them. You're almost the fifth beetle, uh, in a sense.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. These are uh, characters that are very endearing. Uh, They're underdogs. You can understand their mission. And, you know, there's something about wanting to be with the underdogs and wanting to be with them and seeing if they can outwit their uh, enemies and oppressors. Uh, and how they're going to, you know, you're wondering how they're going to go ahead and how they're going to beat the people back. And uh, I I think that's what's enjoyable about the the movie, right? I mean, they they bring several characters um, in the movie, in the first Star Wars movie, A New Hope. Um, And, of course, they didn't know whether it was going to be the only movie or part of a trilogy or whatever. And so they did a lot of things to... uh, to make sure that you understood who the characters were. Uh, you know, you had Luke who was uh, kind of a, you know, naive, dew-eyed guy who, who wants to see the world. And everyone can understand that. Everyone wants to be someone who like, wants to get away from home and the boring life of, you know, being a farmer and, and see the big world and be part of something, part of something bigger and, and make a, make a difference in the world, or in this case, the galaxy. And he's a young guy, and I, I think that Mark Hamill did a great job of catching his angst and his uh, his being naive and, and his whole wonder, because you kind of see the world through his eyes. And, of course, Leia is wonderful, too, because you see her as someone who's uh, representing the Rebel Alliance and how she's always cool as a cucumber. And she's not exactly – I think what's great about her, too, is that she's not really – the girl who doesn't uh who needs saving Uh, yes you know that was a big part of it that they had to go to the death star and get her but it wasn't like when they got her that she's like oh my god what am i gonna do no she kind of took charge the whole time and you know she didn't hinder the people she actually became a, a, a big part of the team and uh you know once they get back um, on the Millennium Falcon, you know, she you see that she's uh, very dependable, very capable in her own right, and she's not just one of these uh, flighty damsel in distresses who, who causes trouble for the heroes. Um, yeah, I, I guess that's that's one of the things. I mean, really, if you think about it, the, the story of the Star Wars, the first one, is, is really simple. I mean, you have the bad guys who want to take over... Th- the Empire, or they have taken over the Empire, you have this Rebel Alliance uh, who are trying to fight back and bring light against the darkness um, and you have uh, all these different characters who are uh, meeting uh, for the first time and, and trying to figure each other out and, and, and then getting together and, and uh, wanting to have this big battle against the, the Evil Empire uh which kind of comes to a draw really if you think about it because uh at the end they were not able to really vanquish them but at least they have a, a big uh they score a big victory and it kind of it worked really well on its own but I think that uh when we heard that they were gonna do a sequel and the sequel is gonna come a couple of years later uh, we were ready for it. We could we saw that uh Star Wars fans back then saw that. Yes, you know, we, we can see how this can be, um, they can take the story and go further in the direction and, and, and kind of flesh more ideas out. And I think that's, uh, the genius of of George Lucas, where he put just enough in the first movie that, uh, anyone who just saw the first movie would be satisfied and say, yes, that was a great movie. And it had it not made any money, uh, we would have been fine with just one Star Wars. But he'd already laid the groundwork for more uh, movies and more adventures. And uh, thankfully, uh, they turned out well, for the most part.
0: (laughs) Well, we'll add that caveat. Well, we talked about some of the characters here. Let me ask you this. Uh, Who's your favorite Star Wars character?
1: That is a good question. And I'm going to have to... uh, give an answer with uh i'm gonna have to give two answers actually well maybe oh. One and a half.
0: <laughs> one and a half. An uh, honorable mention
1: yeah thank you um han solo by far is my favorite actor he i love his uh laconic cowboy type of you know uh smart ass type of um uh personality where you know he's not really he doesn't want to really be part of anything uh, you know, he's, he's too cool for school, uh, he doesn't really want to help out, he just says that he's in it for the money but of course, you know, he has to help out, he can't just walk away, although he would like to um, you know, that's a great scene where they introduce him, where uh, in the original movie, I think it, it's different when they re-released it. But in the original movie, they, you know, Luke and Obi-Wan Kenobi go into a um, a cantina, and he's just sitting back, and he's just drinking. And I think, uh, you know, he says, yeah, I have the Millennium Falcon. It's the fastest ship around. He's, you know, kind of a braggart, and, uh, you know, he's very cocksure of himself. And, uh, you know, he... He's dressed cool, you know, with his, his little black, um, vest and, and Harrison Ford is wonderful. I mean, he's a guy who, uh, hadn't done too many movies at the time. I mean, I, I remember him from American graffiti where he was kind of a, uh, Kind of a villain in the American graffiti, uh, but he, he really did well, kind of playing that uh, Clint Eastwood, John Wayne type of hero, or you know he's just too cool and you know he doesn't really care about you, but and th- deep down he does. So yeah, Han Solo is my my favorite, but my second favorite, and I have uh, um, I, I have to mention it, is Obi Wan Kenobi. I'm going to have to say Obi-Wan, the older years, Uh, Sir Alec Guinness, because I think Alec Guinness is uh, uh, him being inside the Star Wars movie. The first one kind of gives the movie a little gravitas um, because you have this distinguished actor who does a a great job of just, you know, playing someone who uh, had 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 a big major role in the fight against the, the evil empire and, and, uh, his fortunes had changed and he was kind of like living off the grid and, uh, he meets Luke and he, he, um, he trains Luke. And of course, uh, he leaves halfway through the movie, but in that little time he has, he's a very endearing character. He kind of gives the movie, um, because of his age and wisdom, he kind of gives it a little depth that may not have been there had they not had an, an older, uh, I, I guess, a hero to, to relate to, to show that this is something that's been going on. And this is someone who has a, a lot of history and a lot of wisdom. And he kind of helped, helped set up Star Wars, uh, the mythology for later on. So who are who, are your, who is your favorite character?
0: I was going to say uh, Jabba the Hutt, because he's very <laughs> powerful. Uh, he hangs out with all his friends. He's on drugs all the time. He has scandalous women running around. Uh, you know, I I, I got to give it to Jabba the Hutt. Uh, no, I was going to ask you, because I was going to say, I was going to say, yeah, initially Han Solo, when you're a younger man, I guess, you like the idea that he's, he's uh, cocksure of himself and he's cool. But he can also be kind of funny... Or silly at times, or when things get out of control, his eyes get real wide, or he's running away. Uh, but now I feel a little more like I—I I, I find Obi Wan a little more fascinating in terms of him being uh, again refined and there's a little more spiritual. I was going to ask you this though: Have you have you read or heard about Alec Guinness's disdain for Star Wars?
1: Yes, yes, and and that's I, I love that story that. Uh, I remember actually, um, again, showing my age, I remember watching uh, Late Night with David Letterman when he was on NBC. This was the early 80s, and he had Sir Alec Guinness on the program, and this must have been maybe right before um, The Empire Strikes Back, around that time. And Sir Alec Guinness, by the way, has had a, a very distinguished career. Uh, he's made some wonderful movies, including The Bridge of the River Kwai. He was in Lawrence of Arabia. Uh, he had a, a wonderful... Uh, if he had never been in Star Wars, he would be one of our immortal actors. Uh, and David Letterman asked, well, what is it like in Star Wars? And you can just see in his eyes that this is something... that yeah, is like. drops down. <laughs> yeah. And, but he was gracious on David Letterman's show. He said, I got the script, I read it. And I think, I thought this is horrible. This, this dialogue is, was horrible. And he goes, yet I kept on reading and reading and reading because I wanted to see where it was going to go. And um, I thought it was kind of funny that, that he, you know, he, he said that he could see that it was kind of a, um, it read like a B movie because I think that's what George Lucas was going for. He wanted to go to something familiar, something that people would uh, find uh, that they would be able to relate to very well. And yeah, I got to admit, you know, George Lucas isn't the greatest uh, wordsmith, but he gets the ideas across and, and uh, it was enough to get Alec Guinness involved. Although I think, and, and you can, uh, let me know if you heard the story before there came a point where Alec Guinness just said, oh, I've had enough. Uh, I, I you know, I'm, I'm going to leave halfway through the movie. And so that's why you have that scene where Alec Guinness meets Darth Vader. And then all of a sudden Alec Guinness as Obi-Wan Kenobi just vanishes. And the reason is, is because he he got tired and he didn't want any, <laughs> anything else to do with the movie. And so he left and, um, that also brings up another interesting fact about the movie is that you have some of these wonderful actors who are in that, uh, someone who is, uh, overlooked, who was in the first movie is Peter Peter Cushing. Cushing. Yeah. And you know, that's another thing too, is that I expected to see a lot of, uh, people who were just didn't have much of a career like Harrison Ford. I, I kind of knew who he was. Mark Hamill never had seen him before. Uh, Carrie Fisher, didn't know anything about her. And then I saw a lot of, you know, uh, character actors. I kind of uh, would recognize me. I didn't know their names. But then I'd see Alec Guinness. What's he doing in this thing? Or Peter Cushing. What's he doing in this thing? And I think um, there may have been one or two other people in that. That had had very distinguished careers. And I think they kind of helped give the movie a little more heft. Uh, they gave it a little more. Again, the word I'm going to use is gravitas. They gave it more, made it sound like it was something special because you had these actors who uh, who were lending their um, their weight and lending their, um, I guess you know, because people knew them as as being real respected. They're given their respectability and passed it on to this this film. And I think that helped. Uh, uh, I think that really helped with the film. And I think that later on, I don't think he was in this one, but um, who was the guy who played Dracula? He was, I think, oh, in that, later He was in,
0: uh, in the Hammer films, right? Yes.
1: Was,
0: not General Grievous. No, I know. Uh, let me look it up. Christopher uh, Lee. Christopher Lee. Yes. Yeah. They, but Christopher Lee was in the prequels and Lord of the Rings. I mean, that guy was making money in the early 2000s. Uh, Oh, he's
1: uh, if anyone wants to find out who, you know, an actor who whose life was just bigger than any movie, read about Christopher Lee. I think he was in uh, the Secret um, Service, not Secret Service, but he was like a spy during World War Two. And he did hand to hand combat. Uh, He was an amazing, um, um, amazing individual who just happened to uh, go into acting. Uh, If you ever want to read about a real badass uh, read about Christopher Lee, who was the real thing. You,
0: you have it there, folks. I was going to ask you if you heard the story about uh, about this one, uh, it might be apocryphal, but there was a, a fan, a young boy that went up to Alec Guinness and said, uh, Alec Guinness, I've seen Star Wars a hundred times. Would you sign this for me? And Alec Guinness turned to him and said, yes, I will sign this for you if you promise to never watch that film again. And the kid burst into tears, <laughs> he was so mean about it. He was so mean. Uh, but I, I, I always like that story about Alec Guinness. I think he referred to Star Wars as that space mumbo jumbo. So I was like, well, it paid the bills, Alec. I'm sure. I'm sure the revenue didn't uh, hurt. Uh, but speaking of several of the films, let me ask you this. Uh, let me ask you, which one is your favorite
1: Star Wars movie? Uh, I'd have to say uh, the one we've been talking about. Um, I don't know. Yeah, because I think that that's the one that uh, brought most of the characters that that you liked. It, it also brought you into the action. Uh, it, you didn't need much setup. You knew that there were good guys and the bad guys, and that the good guys were the underdogs, the bad guys who were taking over the, the universe, and the story moved at a, a pretty good clip. Yeah, there may have been some slow parts in there. But for the most part, uh, it, it was easy to follow and it had a real nice ending. And I think you can watch it and say, good, you know, this is this is uh, this is a nice one off film. Um, one more thing I'm going I'm to talk about, then I want to leave it, is that uh, another thing that made it a very 70s film was the whole um, uh, idea of the force. Uh, you know, Alec Guinness Obi-Wan Kenobi teaching Luke Skywalker about the force and how the force is all around you and how you can use the force to to do your bidding. Uh, that's a very 70s concept. And I remember reading in Rolling Stone magazine uh, back in the day that uh, that George Lucas got the idea for the force by reading these uh, books by Carlos Castaneda. And. Um, he was a uh, sociologist who wrote a series of books, the first one called The Teachings of Don Juan, A Yaqui Way of Knowledge. And they were very they were very popular in the time, and what it was is that uh, Carlos Castaneda said he met this Yaqui Indian who was a sorcerer uh, somewhere in southern Arizona, and that... Uh, Carlos Castaneda became a uh, a disciple of this Don Juan Matisse, I think it was his name, and that he learned all this uh, um, all this uh, information about uh, sorcery, about Yaki Indian sorcery. Of course, it involved a lot of hallucinogens yeah. as well. <laughs> Uh, You know, he was taking drugs during the time, but uh, the the books were describing alternate universes, alternate realities, and how you could uh, see different things, and you could uh, uh, go to different,
0: uh, I guess. Planes of
1: existence. Exactly, exactly. And that was a very 70s concept. I I read the books uh, when I was a kid. Well, I was a teenager. I was very precocious. And I liked that whole idea that, that there was another reality out there. And think one of the books is a separate reality. And yeah, uh, that's what we were into. We were wanting to know that if there was anything else besides the reality that we felt uh, every day. And George used that idea for the force about this thing that uh, that, uh, binds everything together and that you could use it to, to do magical things. And I think that's another reason why, um, the first movie, uh, w- did so well, because, uh, not only was it, uh, you know, a space cowboy movie, but it also had this mysticism, which was really big in the seventies. And you could read a lot into it uh, about what the force was. And I think a lot of people like that because it gave another dimension to the whole story. Um, now, I think I spent too much time on, on the first movie because it is my favorite. But I have to say that the second one to come out, which would be five, Empire. six Empire, uh, was really very good. Um, you could see that they the, the effects got a little better. Uh, The acting got a little better. They bought Lando Calrissian, which was a wonderful character. And you also had the teachings of Yoda. And again, you got that mysticism where Yoda was teaching Luke uh, the power of the force and going back into that, you know, the whole idea that there was something out there that you could touch upon that was different from the reality you faced every day. Now, it did run into the problem that you mentioned earlier, where you had all these characters and they split apart and you had to go between their stories. Uh, you know, sometimes you'd be with Luke and Yoda, and then they'd have to go to uh, Han Solo with Lando Calrissian. And uh, it, it. I think uh, uh, a director who was not as good as the director who did that movie, I think it was Lawrence Kasdan. Uh, I'm not really sure Uh, he was able to pull it off because that that was a very hard story to pull off because you're having to go back between, you know, two different uh, story ideas that are not really that are actually competing. I mean, I think you could have done a whole movie just with Luke learning about Yoda or you could have done something with uh, Han Solo. And uh, Princess Leia and R two D two and three CPO meeting Lando and, and you know trying to do, um, uh, you know some sabotage or, or, or at least try to get it past the um, the uh, the Empire the evil Empire, and um, I think a director who was not re- who was not as good uh, if there was a director who was not very good it could have made the story very. Um, Confusing Irving been, Well, he did a wonderful job because he kept the movie going and uh, He kept it. So, you know, you, you know, you didn't spend too much time in one area and you could go into another area and uh, It still was a problem. I think it's still a little problematic for people uh, Because you have to kind of keep what's going on at the time, but he was thankfully he was good enough where he could Uh, he could keep both stories going in the air and, and keep it from, um, one story having too much, um, heft and the other one just playing like it's uh, superfluous. And of course that movie had the biggest, um, spoiler of all, uh, with Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker. So of course that was big. I remember seeing that in the theater and being blown away. Um, Uh fortunately we didn't have a a spoiler we didn't have too much of a spoiler culture back in the early eighties. I mean, star Wars was on everyone's radar by that time. And so there was a lot written about the movie before it was released. There was a lot written about the movie when it was released, mostly in magazines, um, even, even mainstream magazines like time and Newsweek. And, um, and I think that people were trying to maybe give a little away that this was, there was going to be a game changer, um, um plot um piece of the plot that was going to come in this movie but i was able to miss it so i was i was was genuinely surprised when it happened yeah
0: i think uh i just read right now that in five days uh on may 21st it will be the 40th anniversary of empire strikes
1: back holy moly
0: and it was the screenplay was written by larry kasdan
1: that's who, who wrote it. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I knew he was involved some way, but I didn't know, uh, how he was involved. So he wasn't a director. Uh, he did direct some other movies later on, but I can't, I think I he did. Um, no, oh, I can't remember. Anyway, uh, that was, that was a really nice movie. The effects got better. I remember seeing it in the theater and just being blown away once again. Um, uh, a side note, I was dating your mom at the time uh, and took her to see it. But uh, as many movies I had to see with your mom, I had to take her little brothers and sisters with me. And so I remember seeing it uh, with your mom and your uncle Johnny and Danny, who are little kids. They're still under 10 years old. And uh, I remember uh, they're hogging the popcorn. <laughs> uh, but I thought that was really wonderful. And then uh, I think my third favorite would be um, The Return of the Jedi. And I think that has some wonderful effects there, too. Uh, I'm a sucker for the Ewoks. I think they're, they're wonderful. Uh, I think it's more of a kid movie than sure. anything else. And uh, I think that uh, I remember they had that showdown with Darth Vader and Luke. And I thought that was kind of, um, they kind of dragged that on a little. I think the the climax between uh, Luke and Darth Vader and the Emperor, is it Palpatine?
0: Yeah, yeah Emperor Palpatine. Uh,
1: where they're all coming through a showdown between the three of them. Uh, they kind of, I think they could have
0: milked it a bit. Huh? Got
1: to a, they milted a bit, I think. I, I think at that time, they started to um, indulge themselves uh, for Star Wars. Star and so, Wars indulgent,
0: you don't say. <laughs> Stop the presses! Stop uh, the presses! Well, let me let me let me interject here. Um, you talked about like that memory of seeing Empire Strikes Back. I was gonna say one of my favorite memories of, of seeing these movies in in the theater. Uh, the runner up would be, I think. It was the summer and so i don't understand why but you had the day off and then josh and i had the joshy numbers and i had the day off so you took us to go see uh <laughs> uh attack of the clones which is the second prequel and and it must have been in the dollar theater i feel like we were at the galaxy annex and i think we all <laughs> walked out of the movie with just a collective sense of well like that was it. like that's the movie disappointed but I guess we all had to kill an afternoon and so I think that's one of the first times I feel like I could see you as a as a as a person and not just the father figure of just like well big mean, guys I, I spent the $12 on our movie tickets. Uh, that was a good two and a half hours, right? And just yeah. kind of being uh, you know whelmed by the movie. But I, I think my favorite memory is going to see And it's not one of my favorite movies, but going to see the third one, uh, Revenge of the Sith. I want to say someone, Somebody will correct me, but Revenge of the Sith, the third one. We went at midnight, like a Thursday at midnight at the galaxy, and it was Josh and I, and we were waiting in line, and, and I'm texting him right now asking, why was it so important that we had to see these movies that were fine, that were okay? Why did we have to see these Thursday at midnight, but I guess when you're 17 or 18, like, that's just the thing to do. Uh, but going to the, the galaxy and seeing two guys—one guy in his mom's bathrobe and another guy <laughs> in a hoodie with a Boba fett helmet—and the guy in the bathrobe says, "I need not pay for tickets for I am a Jedi." So he's like, It'll be ten dollars. He's like, and he just like waves his finger across, and I was like, "What a weirdo! Like, what a loser!" Um, and going to see it, and, and I just remember, the movie's fine, right? Out of the prequels, it's my favorite one because I think it tells a self-contained story. You get a lot of action. You finally see Anakin Skywalker turn into Darth Vader. Uh, even watching it the past year or two, I was like, I could still, I I like this. This is fine. Uh, whereas Phantom Menace and uh, Attack of the Clones is a little more of a chore, uh, to watch it they're just boring and i think one of the things that you talked about earlier in our conversation were the set design and once they went from actual set design and making it look cool to just being some sort of 3d rendering it's just very um annoying and it just takes your attention away from the actors whether it's samuel L. jackson or ewan mcgregor or even uh, christopher lee because you're just looking at the bad cgi uh, uh set and so uh, I think that's one of the things that actually doesn't age well. And I think one of the things that in movies like Rogue One and A Force Awakens uh, is that they did go back to actual sets and, and painting and, and it looks real and it gives a real uh, a realness about it. I know that doesn't sound you know, articulate, but there's something that you can pay attention to and it, it just elaborates on the universe that's been created. So uh, I was going to say, yeah, my favorite Star Wars film, I'd say Rogue One. I really, really love Star Wars really? Rogue One. It's uh, it's a beautiful story. It adds it really emphasizes the war aspect on Star Wars. Uh, again, another ragtag group of people, but instead of being kind of witty and banter and fun, you know, they're they're really beaten down and downtrodden. And right, again, right. they they have to do a one in a million kind of. Uh, uh, journey and mission that's futile in the end and i it's not so much that oh what a futile story and i'm an edgelord or anything but it it just uh, highlights the beauty that these characters were were thrown together and they believed in something bigger than themselves uh and then it just sets up the the entire a new hope and uh, getting I guess the Death Star plans to Princess Leia. So it's a, it's a tremendous film. And I could watch it over and over again. I think one of the things I really enjoy about the movie is that again I could watch it by itself. I don't have to watch a movie before or a movie after it to get the full, uh to get to get the full experience of this story here. Uh, and I love all the actors. Uh, yeah, I just what's amazing to me is realizing that the movie had been in trouble and that they brought in a different director, and there were massive rewrites, because I think like right. the is pretty seamless. I feel from top to bottom, it was it was a, a very uh, coherent story, and the acting's great, and and uh, like I said, uh, so I watch it now, and I just I sometimes even get a little like misty-eyed at, at some of the ending scenes where some of the characters uh, meet their demise, but again, I think that's also one of the reasons I also like, I think you and I both enjoy it, The Mandalorian, is that it, it took the buffet of themes and genre that were introduced in the first Star Wars. And it started taking it to its logical progression. What if this was a Western? What if this was a space heist? What if this was more of a samurai excursion? Uh, you can do all these different things because Star Wars allows you to go in any kind of direction, as long as you're telling a, a decent story and it makes sense. It doesn't have to just go one way. It doesn't have to keep going down, you know, the Skywalker saga, uh, so to speak. Um mm-hmm. Uh, One last question, we're kind of finishing up here. I would like to ask is, let me allow you to pontificate. What does Star Wars (laughs) mean to the pop culture at large?
1: I'll I'll try to keep this short. Um, It's interesting you you brought up Rogue One because I thought that was a a very good choice. I also think it's a movie that um, I'm surprised they made because it really didn't advance... uh, the star Wars mythology all that much. In fact, it it kind of was like a hidden chapter of maybe what happened, uh, between the, the third and fourth film in the series, uh, you know, pre new hope. And, um, I guess what's interesting about star Wars is that, uh, when I saw it, when it first came out, I think I've, we've touched on: is it, it cobbled together a bunch of different genres, science fiction, samurai, like you said, uh, also a western, a, a lot of different themes, um, and mysticism, and so it. it uh, and yet, it's it felt fresh, uh, and so when it came out, it was something that uh, seemed... If you thought about it too hard, maybe a little recycled, but that's OK, because it told the story in a, in a really nice way. And yet uh, from that time in, in 1976, uh, um, all of a sudden uh, it, it it took on a life of its own and it grew and it became part of the consciousness of everybody. And with each movie, uh, it, it's it's taken on a whole bigger life and, uh, it has become a separate reality. In fact, sometimes I think the reality of the movies may be crea- uh, crowding out the, uh, re- our real reality because, uh, uh, it has, it has, uh, the narrative of star Wars has just grown exponentially. Uh, not just with the movies, of course, but there are also comic books. There are also uh, novel tie-ins with paperback books. Uh, there, are yeah. uh, uh, there are also video games. Video games. There are also the Clone Wars with uh, the cartoons, the animated series, which I
0: hear are really, really good.
1: I, I do too, and um, I think George Lucas had set up uh, a world uh, that was just uh, big enough that it could include more and more, um, it could include more and more facets. It, it was like a diamond that you could keep adding things to it and, and see different things. You could, you could look at the story and, uh, you know, if you turned it a different way, like a prism, you could see more different stories and you could see I it became a rich tapestry. I know I'm, I'm, um getting all my metaphors mixed up here, but you could see where it was becoming a, a complicated, um, and it, it really touched the star Wars world really touched a lot of people. Uh, me, not so much, I think because I, I, I was already a teenager when it first came out, but me, not, uh, me and, not so much for me as a teenager, because I was a teenager when it first came out, but for people who were younger, let's say people who were uh, under the age of 10, who first saw Star Wars and then grew up with it, it became a big part of their lives. I know a lot of people who are in their early fifties now that grew up with Star Wars uh, from when they are little kids. And that world is very real to them. And I think uh, as, as, um, As our culture has become very dense with, uh, I mean, back, like we touched on earlier, uh, I had newspapers and magazines and uh, four channels of TV. And that's how I found out about things and and reading trade magazines for uh, to find out about movies. Nowadays, of course, we have uh, the Internet and and blogs and social media. And Star Wars was big enough and is big enough uh to be uh and it's so rich and and dense that it means a lot to a lot of people uh people have their favorite characters their favorite storylines uh and it's it's grown and it hasn't stayed static it's um i think one of the things we liked about it is that just when i thought i was tired of star wars uh the mandalorian came around and introduced new characters and I'll, I fell in love with Star Wars once again, because it, it hit the same themes that I liked when I first saw it when I was 16, and it, it did it in a way that that was very familiar, uh, very reaffirming, and and uh, but at the same time felt fresh and not stale. Uh, and so I think that's what's great about Star Wars is now it's 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 reaching uh, a, maybe a third generation of uh, fans and there's enough there that people can find things about it and i I think the things that people find about star wars is that uh it's basically a story of good and evil it's basically the story of the of the the underdog taking on the you know the, the big guy the big guy who's who's evil and uh, the stories just resonate with us. Uh, the same reasons I think that we still read about the you know, the Greek myths and the Roman myths. There are stories there that uh, mean something to us. And I think with every generation, uh, people are going to find Star Wars, whether it's through the first film or The Mandalorian or, or um, Rogue One. And they're going to find something that they can relate to. And they're going to find something about sacrifice or uh, you know building a community, working together, uh, looking at the big picture that 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 really touches a nerve, a collective nerve with all of us. And I think it's because that uh, it helps us it helps us uh, touch the force. the forces around us all. And may the force be with you, son.
0: Uh, I, I appreciate that. Uh, May the force be with you? I'm chuckling a little bit because while you were giving this dissertation, I did receive a text message from Joshy Numbers who, who reminded me that we saw the Phantom Menace as a family. And I can only imagine uh, going as a family to go see the Phantom Menace and having mom go, What the hell is that? <laughs> thinks that's, Russell, what is this? <laughs> Just being flabbergasted. Uh, but I got to say, that's one of my, my treasured memories growing up is us going as a family, whether it was going to see the new Batman movies with uh, Val Kilmer and George Clooney, or just going to any kind of the movies as a family. Uh, so that that really made me chuckles. Just him saying, we went to go see the Phantom Menace as a family, because <laughs> that is such a loaded statement in terms of like, what is this? We were excited. This was our first brand new star wars but when you watched it again it's it's so bad uh there's stuff there's parts that are neat but again there's other parts that are just are, are you know uh make you roll your eyes but i uh, that really brought some levity to me just you know, we had to go see it as a family uh,
1: Yeah, i think with you it's wonderful world. I'm sorry, I was just going to say, what's wonderful about Star Wars, uh, even in the 90s, is it was something that we could share with our kids. I mean, I I saw it when I was a teenager, and then when I became a father, and I had my kids, uh, I could take them to Star Wars, and I felt glad that you could be part of this world as well. Although maybe those those movies, The Phantom Menace, wasn't the best introduction uh, to the whole Star Wars um, world, universe. Uh, however, there was enough good stuff there that you grew up with it. And I'm sure that you'll pass it down. And that's something about a good story is that it's something you want to share with people and it's something you want to share with, with another generation. And so, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad we had this chance to, to just get together and talk about it because it really has meant a lot to me. And I know it's meant a lot to you. And, and, uh, I think it, you know, and, and ours is not, um, Ours is a very commonplace emotion. It means a lot to a lot of people, and it's something we can all share and that we can all enjoy together.
0: Well, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't say any better myself, or I'd be gilding the lily at this point. But uh, I'd have to say, uh, Dad, this was a very fun chat. Uh, did you enjoy your first podcast foray?
1: Actually, I did. Uh, I, I had a really good time. Um, uh, I apologize in advance that, that uh, we kind of went a little too long. But uh, I, I had a lot of fun with this. And um, as people see that I enjoy your company and you make me laugh. And uh, I'm glad that we could talk about this. Maybe you can forward to that.